Well, Mark Few has confirmed that Julian Strother will be deployed in a small ball four role this season, much like Corey Kispert was during the 2020-2021 campaign. Will Strother's role change, propel the Zags to another national championship appearance, and what does it do for his NBA aspirations? All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code locked on right now and get your first deposit doubled of up to $100. All right, folks, happy Friday, happy October 28th, happy game day for those listening before Gonzaga takes on Tennessee in the pay per view exhibition game that is slated for 6 p.m. Very, very exciting. College basketball is back. It is very, very very good to finally be done with the offseason and into college hoops today, though. We are talking about Julian Strother. We are continuing our season preview series with a bit of a twist on today's show. We're going to take more of an in-depth look at what Julian's new role this upcoming season is going to look like. For those of you who missed this, uh, CBS Sports' John Rothstein spoke to Mark Few and got Mark to confirm that they are planning to use Julian Strother in a small ball four role reminiscent of what the Zags did with Corey Kispert during that night, excuse me, that 2021 campaign. Uh, again, this has been kind of the expectation all offseason for those of you who have been listening regularly to Locked On Zags. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that as we went through a what felt like a very, very long offseason, but it was kind of a, a talking point throughout the offseason looking at Gonzaga's roster and where their depth really was looking at the addition of Malachi Smith, the return of Rasir Bolton, of course, the return of the two sophomore guards, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman. And while there's a lot of depth in the front court as well, it just seemed like the the way that made the most sense logically for this roster to to optimally function was going to include having Strother play that role similar to what Kispert did. And that's kind of what I want to talk about here in the first segment. Uh what changes we saw from Corey Kispert's junior year to his senior year, what those changes might look like for Julian Strother going into his junior year. We know Strother has his sights set on the NBA. Everybody playing college basketball has their sights set on the NBA. Strother, of course, checked out the draft last year. He got some feedback that he was going to be more likely a second-round pick, opted to return to school uh, with the hopes of building up his draft stock and being a, a much higher selected player next year. This is exactly what Corey did. To a T, that is what Corey Kispert did. He he left after that 1920 season, uh, after their the tournament was canceled, of course, because of COVID-19. He explored the NBA draft process. That was going to be a really weird year with the draft, with guys not getting that last kind of month of season. Uh, and Corey made the decision, hey, you know what, I'm going to come back. I want to work on my game. Uh, the Zags, of course, added Jalen Suggs into that mix for that next year's team. A handful of other really talented players, of course, Andrew Nembhard was in the mix there as well. And with with a lineup that featured so many talented guards, Nembhard's surprise eligibility right before the season started was a big factor there as well. But with Suggs, with Nembhard, with Joel Iyayi, three guys who have all played in the NBA, 
it just made sense to get all of them consistent playing time to have all of them playing together. And the best way for them to do that was to shift Corey Kispert into a small ball four role. It pushed Anton Watson to the bench. As much as we love on this podcast, Anton Watson, it made the most sense for him to be kind of the high energy guy coming off the bench. It's expected to be his role again this year because Julian Strother is going to kind of take that that mantle over, take that similar role over. For Kispert, we saw him improve in the ways that you would expect him to improve. Uh, he had about 25% more rebounds in his senior year than he had in his previous seasons before that. His efficiency around the rim improved. That makes sense as well. He was more he was around the rim more often, certainly had opportunities for putbacks, uh, offensive rebounds, ways to kind of score relatively easy, unchallenged buckets around the rim. Uh, so you kind of expect those things to potentially uh, come along with Julian Strother here as well. Kispert also had about a five points per game increase uh, in his overall scoring. That would be a very big jump for Julian Strother, not an impossible jump by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know that people expected Kispert to score 18 and a half points per game as a senior, and yet he did. <laughs> that is what happened for him. So certainly we could see some of those jumps happen for Julian as well. I think a big area that is clearly a need for Julian and also an area that is likely to grow with this move is getting to the free throw line. Kispert averaged two and a half free throw attempts per game prior to his senior season where he played that small ball four role. That jumped up to 3.1 free throw attempts per game. It's also worth pointing out that this change didn't happen right at the beginning of the season with Corey like it did or like it's expected to happen with Julian here. Corey, of course, played a little bit more of that traditional three role early in the year before Nembhard stepped into that starting role and pushed Corey up to the four. So if we expect a full season of Julian Strother spending the majority of minutes at this four, and we're going to talk about that more in the next couple of segments, but if that is the expectation... Strother could bump his free throw attempts per game a whole free throw. We could go from 2.4 to 3.4, 3.5 free throw attempts per game. Strother's a good free throw shooter, so upping the amount of attempts per game, even just one more attempt per game, that's a fair amount of points. That's a solid amount of production. You just figure 35 or so games this season, that's 35 more free throw attempts. He knocks down hopefully 25 or so of them. That helps. That Every little point helps, of course, for the Zags, for Julian, for his NBA aspirations to be able to prove, hey, look, I... You know, this is something that scouts wanted to see from me, more ability to draw contact, get to the free throw line, convert from the charity stripe, get those free points that way as well. And of course, for Corey, the, the biggest thing that happened against all of the stats, all of the other things that changed, Corey Kispert went from middling second round pick undrafted free agent fodder. That was kind of what his expectation was, was, hey, this guy's probably going to be a second round pick. He's a veteran guy, got some outside shooting, decent size, like that's that's a guy we envision being a guy who plays in the NBA. So maybe he'll go 43rd, 52nd, whatever it may be. He went from that to being the 15th overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. He was a borderline lottery pick, the first player picked outside of the NBA draft lottery. This is the kind of jump that Julian Strother is hoping to make. And why shouldn't he? Corey Kispert's not the first Zag to do this. Rui Hachimura is a very prominent example just before Corey. Now, Rui didn't really change positions necessarily the way that Corey did or the way that Julian is going to, although he did a little bit. Rui did kind of play that small ball four role. He just didn't really have established. He hadn't really established himself at any position until he broke out as a junior because he was still kind of learning the offense and learning 
the language and kind of learning how to be uh, a college basketball player in the States. And so for him, it was less of positional changing and more of just things kind of starting to finally click for him at the right time. But for Julian, following a path similar to Corey Kispert makes a ton of sense. And for Mark Few and the Zags, this lineup makes sense too. Three guard lineups is kind of necessary when you have, you know, your two sophomores, Hickman and Salas. They're both going to play. Malachi Smith did not transfer here to not play. Rasir Bolton did not come back for his final season of eligibility to not play. All four of those guys are going to play and they're all going to play a lot. Every one of them is going to play more minutes I shouldn't say that. Bolton may not play more minutes than he played last year, but he's going to play a similar role. Smith's going to play a role similar to that. And I don't think Hickman and Salas are going to play any less minutes than they played last year. So those four guys alone, in order to get them all the minutes that they need to get, you probably need three of them on the court at the same time for large chunks of the game. And that's not even counting Dominic Harris. We haven't even talked about Dominic Harris yet, and he's going to be in that mix as well. Maybe not right away. I'm curious to see on Friday how much we do see him play in that exhibition game against Tennessee. If we see him play, we only we know he only got cleared officially starting on October 10th, so it was about two weeks ago. So it's possible that he's still you know getting his legs underneath him. But when the season rolls around, assuming there's no setbacks for him, Dominic Harris is going to play as well. So it's five guards. All those guys need minutes. Makes a lot more sense if you got three spots for five guys than if you got two spots for five guys. All of a sudden, then it's going to be really, really hard to find playing time for them. And of course, this this move does impact the depth in the front court as well. If Julian's going to play 30 minutes per game at the four, then Anton Watson is going to be shift to a backup role, which is kind of what we expected regardless. But he's played about 18 to 20 minutes per game for the last couple of years. I have a hard time expecting that number to go down. So he's still going to play a lot of minutes. Of course, Drew Timmy is going to play as many minutes as he is capable of playing. And then you have Efton Reed, who did not come over here to not play either, although he is a bit more of a development piece, probably going to have his best seasons in a Gonzaga uniform after this upcoming year. It's not going to happen for him right away, but he's still a player that if you if you want him to be more behind the scenes and not doing a whole lot on the basketball court, you can absolutely get away with it this year. But also, he can give you 15 minutes, 20 minutes per night if you need it, and you know that he's going to be capable of doing it. He played 20 minutes per game at LSU last year. Numbers don't pop off the screen, but he was efficient. He was successful. He improved in areas throughout the year that he needed to improve on. I think he's going to be a great piece for this team, but this move probably caps the amount of minutes that we're going to see from him per game going forward. Right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to dig a little bit more into Strother's usage in this new role, what his dream season might look like, and how it could impact the Zags in an incredibly positive way. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college basketball season. It's crazy easy to sign up and get started, and each game can be a different bet or pick em choice for your favorite Gonzaga stars. You think Drew Timmy's going to score more than 18 points against Chris Beard and the Texas Longhorns? Go to the Upside app and drop your bet. Easy money. Bet Timmy and one to four other players, Gonzaga or not. You could toss Julian Strother right in there as well if you want, and if your bet hits, you win cold, hard cash. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Get in on the Pick'em action today. All right, segment two. 
Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zach, and I want to sincerely thank all of you who have made this podcast your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, segment two. Still any patents, still locked on Zags. We're talking Julian Strother here. In the second segment, we're going to take a look at his best case and worst case scenarios through the lens of his new role as Gonzaga's starting power forward. Uh, again, the caveat here that I like to put out for every one of these episodes, best cases within reason, worst cases without injury. I don't like to discuss injuries unless it is a relevant part of a player's history. I don't like to discuss best case scenarios that are unrealistic. Obviously, every player's best case scenario is to win a national championship, national player of the year, first overall pick in the NBA draft. For some guys, maybe that's believable. For some guys, not so much. For Julian Strother, quite frankly, it's very easy for fans to see what the best case scenario looks like because it looks a lot like Corey Kispert's senior season. I think that that is kind of the benchmark, the framework for what Julian Strother wants to do this year, for what Mark Few wants Julian Strother to do, for what NBA scouts want Julian Strother to do this year. Execution is going to be a little bit more difficult, but the framework is there. The belief, the the system, the, it's all there. It's already been done, frankly, by a player who Julian is as good as. Julian. Corey's not necessarily better than Julian. They are different. We're going to talk a lot about them as similarities, not just on this podcast, but throughout the season as we see how Julian adapts to this new role. But it's worth pointing out, they are not the same player. They should not be expected to have the exact same changes in their game style as this season approaches. But for Julian, the best case scenario is that a lot of those bumps that we saw Corey Kispert have from his junior to senior year happen for Julian as well. A bump in efficiency around the rim. Julian is already a better scorer around the rim than Corey Kispert ever was in college. So, but the best case scenario for Julian is that the efficiency that he's already displayed continues to tick up now that he's in a role where he's spending more time around the rim. The best case scenario for Julian Strother is that that free throw attempt bump happens. He goes from attempting barely two and a half free throws per game to something over three, maybe even closer to four than three. This is when you read scouting reports on Julian, when you talk to people who are in that industry, who are kind of looking at what are the pros and cons of this player as an NBA player. Right now, his ability to draw contact and get to the free throw line is something that needs to be displayed. I have zero doubt that he is capable of doing this, but that is something that scouts want to see from him. This role should allow him to do that. It puts him in better positions to get fouled, to draw contact, to score free points at the free throw line. Beyond that, a bump in just overall rebounding efficiency and his overall rebound totals. Again, Julian Strother averaged more rebounds per game last year than Corey Kispert ever did in his college career. So Julian is already more efficient as a low post scorer, is more efficient as a rebounder than Corey Kispert was. So again, the, the hope here isn't that he becomes Corey Kispert necessarily. It's that the production bump that we saw Corey get happens to Julian as well. Now he's maybe closer to seven rebounds per game when he was not quite at that level his previous season. And rebounding efficiency is just more about you know grabbing a higher share of the rebounds, a higher percentage of the rebounds, uh, going out and securing the ball in, in ways that we already know he's capable of doing. But again, in a role where he's spending more time around the rim, you'd obviously want to see that tick up a little bit. 
Outside of that, for Julian Strother, of course, uh, consistent three-point shooting. That's key. I think we saw last year what can happen when the three-point shooting isn't super consistent. He struggled pretty mightily down the stretch. He had a he had one really good game in Las Vegas, but outside of that, basically every game after the regular season was a bit of a struggle for Julian. He did not shoot it well in the NCAA tournament. He did not shoot it well in the WCC tournament for the most part. He just struggled, whether it was fatigue, whether it was just he happened to hit a bad stretch at a bad time. It's unclear. It's unsure. But for Julian, the best case scenario is that we don't have those gap times. We don't have periods of time where he he goes 0 for 14, 0 for 12, 1 for 13, whatever it may be, over a stretch of time. He's consistent. That doesn't mean he's, he's not going to be perfect every game. He's going to have bad games. No, no player has ever been immune from having a bad game. That's certainly a part of it. But when those bad games happen, there's not this kind of angst or uneasiness of like, is he you know going to miss the next? Is he going to have two more bad games in a row uh, shooting the rock? And the best case scenario is that that's not really a concern that, oh, he was a little off today. He's going to be back tomorrow. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to bring bring that outside shooting that the Zags desperately need on this roster. Beyond that, best case scenario is for Julian, a better decision maker, better facilitator. I don't think this is a tremendous weak spot for him, but it can always be improved. Uh, when he, Especially when he attacks the rim, he's very good at recognizing closeouts, at pump faking, at putting his head down and driving to the rim. But when he does that, he gets a little one-dimensional. You don't see a lot of drive in dishes, finding the open guy, you know, finding a guy cutting to the rim or a three-point shooter who's spotted up and ready. And that's a really hard skill. And it's a really, really tough skill to develop. But for Julian, the best case scenario is you can see that because as a potential spot-up shooter, as a standstill shooter in the NBA, the ability to recognize a, a defender coming out at you, pump fake, drive, and then find another open player, it's critical. Watch, you watch NBA games, you see plays like this develop extremely frequently. It's very, very common. And if Strother struggles to, to find, those, find those players, to find those gaps, to, to make, make good competitive passes in those situations, that's going to be a bit of an issue for him. Something I think he's more than capable of improving on just would be a nice thing to see from him this year. And of course, there's the defensive end of the of the floor as well. Uh, Julian Strother is a good defensive player. He's going to be asked to play defense in a slightly different role this year. Best case scenario is that he handles it perfectly. The best case scenario for Julian Strother is not that he is a rim protector. I know we harp on this podcast numerous times about Gonzaga's lack of rim protection on the roster, how that could be an issue for them when March rolls around. Julian Strother's not going to fill that role. He's an athletic guy. He's got good length, good size, good strength. It's just not going to be a role that he's asked to do, nor should it be a role that he is asked to do. I think the best case scenario for Julian Strother is that his defense away from the rim, when he gets switched and he's got smaller, very athletic guards on him, like what happened against Baylor, Corey Kispert, we, we talked a lot about Drew Timmy's struggles in that game, and, and they were apparent and evident, but Corey Kispert didn't do a particularly good job when he got switched onto those guards either, and Julian's going to be asked to do that. And if teams out there find out that they can switch either of our bigs and can take them to the rack, that's going to be an issue. If Julian can play very, very competent, capable defense away from the rim and doesn't let those guards get to the rim with ease when, when he gets switched onto them, that's going to be huge. I, really, really critical for the Zags for him to be able to play really competent defense away from the rim. Again, I don't think he needs to be a shot blocker or even a shot alterer. I think he needs to be a, a good rebounder for a guy his size and a really good perimeter defensive player. Best case scenario, he does all of that stuff. 
Best case scenario for Julian, he's the Gonzaga's second leading scorer. He's not that far behind Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy's going to average somewhere close to 20 points per game. That's what he's been doing for the last couple of years. Best case scenario is Julian Strother's kind of right there. 17, 18 points per game. Corey Kispert averaged 18 and a half in his final season at Gonzaga. I don't think it's crazy that Julian could average that too. Of course, the Zags have plenty of other players who can light it up. Bolton, Smith, Hickman, Salas, Watson. I mean, they got plenty of guys who can score the rock. Um, so there's going to be some competition for that. But best case scenario is that Julian is the go-to reliable guy, not named Drew Timmy on this team in terms of scoring the basketball. And of course, there are the accolades that could come with this. Best case scenario for Julian Strother, he wins the Julius Irving Award for the best small forward in the country. Best case scenario, he's all WCC first team. Best case scenario, he's he's on an all-American team. Whether it's first team would be very, very, it's probably a little high, but it's possible. It is absolutely possible that Julian Strother is an all-American first teamer. But definitely second team, third team, honorable mention, all of that stuff could absolutely happen. But most important to him, uh, I'm almost certain, is that he becomes a lottery pick in the 2023 NBA draft. It is definitely within the realm of possibility that Julian Strother does enough this year to boost his draft stock where he's one of the 14 first players selected in 2023. Looking ahead at the worst case scenarios for Julian Strother, uh, clearly the, in the inconsistent outside shooting would be a problematic thing to carry over to this season. If you're not quite sure whether Julian's, he misses his first couple shots, like, is it going to be one of those nights? Is it going to be one of those weeks? That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is obviously that there's just no inconsistency whatsoever. We know there will be some level of it uh, because basketball players are not perfect. Humans are not perfect. Uh, but the worst case scenario for Julian is that kind of throughout the season, it's just hard to know, like, hey, is he about to go through one of those streaks? Is he going to be a guy that we can rely on night in and night out? A worst case scenario for Julian Strother is that he struggles to defend bigger players. He doesn't acclimate to a role in the post all of that well. Those bumps that we're hoping to see in efficiency is free throw attempts and rebounding. We just don't see them. I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of regression from Julian Strother. That would be very surprising, barring you know him hiding an injury or something like that. But I do think that not seeing growth in the areas that you kind of expect a player switching positions to show growth in, that would be a bit of a concern for Julian Strother going forward. And then, of course, you know, the, the same things we talked about in the best case scenario, the decision making, the passing. Every time he puts the ball on the ground, he puts his head down and he doesn't really look to pass. And he kind of becomes a little bit easier to defend in that way. He's he's more of a black hole offensively when he's got the ball on the deck. Uh, he doesn't get to the free throw line more. The scoring looks fairly one dimensional. Like, yeah, he can get to the rim and he can shoot threes, but we don't see much else from him. We don't see the free throws. We don't see the mid range game. We kind of just see he can score on on putbacks that he can score threes and there's not a whole lot else there. Again, Julian Strother is going to be very good this year. The worst case scenarios for Julian Strother are not that he is a bad basketball player. It's just not really inside the realm of possibility for what's going to happen to Julian Strother this year. But the, the worst case scenarios are more that the areas you expect to see growth, we don't really see growth. And he becomes a guy who who is a bit more one-dimensional offensively. Maybe he's not make taking strides defensively to the point where, you know, Anton Watson ends up getting more minutes because he can, he can provide a little bit more on that end of the floor. Uh, and then of course, at the end of the year, Julian Strother's not in the NBA conversation, whether that means he returns, which certainly would not be a worst case scenario for the Zags necessarily, or he does decide to leave, but it's with the understanding that, Hey, you know, the draft is not necessarily something that's going to happen. Maybe I got to fight my way in through a two-way contract, playing in the G league, playing overseas, whatever it may be.
And we're going to come back in the third and final segment. We're going to look at Strother's NBA potential. We're going to touch more on what that professional career might look like for Julian coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zag, still talking all things Gonzaga power forward Julian Strother as he adjusts to a new role heading into his junior season. Uh, so yeah, we kind of talked about a little bit of this already, but I expect Strother's going to play 28 to 30 minutes per night. There's no reason to expect that his minutes are going to take any level of a hit. I think he's he's one of Gonzaga's best players, and he's going to be on the court as much as one of Gonzaga's best players is typically on the court. Mark Few may have a really deep team, but he's not going to do... He's not going to play all those guys equally. He never has. He probably never will. That's just not the way he operates. He gets his best players and he runs them out there and he plays them a whole bunch. And that's what we're going to see from Julian. I do think that some of Strother's minutes will come at the three. I do not think that he is ironclad, locked in, only playing the four. I think that there are going to be some lineups where Strother shifts down to the three and you have some combination of Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, and Efton Reed all Two of those three guys on the floor alongside Strother. I don't know how often we'll see those lineups. I think it'll be matchup dependent. It'll be foul trouble dependent. It'll be dependent on how some of the guards are playing. Certainly if some of those guards get in foul trouble or are not particularly productive or, you know, heaven forbid there's an injury and there's not as much depth in the front or excuse me, in the backcourt, I could see a situation where Strother ends up playing more of his minutes at the three. Watson Reed end up, you know, getting a bump in minutes uh, in the front court and Gonzaga kind of operates that way. That's the nice thing about not only having nine to 10 really talented, ready to play basketball players on your roster, but so many of them have enough switchability and position flexibility that you can kind of get away with, hey, maybe our six foot two guy got hurt and weirdly now our seven foot guy is going to play more minutes, but that can happen. That could, it could absolutely be a situation where, you know, one of the guards, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anybody by saying names, but one of the guards gets hurt and misses a week or two weeks of action. And all of a sudden Efton Reed is the guy playing more minutes. Like I, that could totally happen. It's very realistic to me that that kind of situation develops, which is what a luxury for Mark Few and for that staff to be able to kind of pick any of your bench players, whoever is playing the best, whoever has the hottest hand, whoever you think has the best matchup in the upcoming game and be like, well, yeah, we're, we're missing this guy and we're we're short, you know, point guard player, whatever. But we're just going to have Efton play the extra six minutes per game. We'll shift Julian down to the three. We'll shift Malachi, you know, whatever it may be, whatever situation could arise. And I think that that's perhaps the most fun thing about this roster. We will see how Mark Few makes those adjustments, figures out those lineups and those situations on a game by game basis. But I think Gonzaga has the ability to do some really unique things this year with the squad that they have. Going forward, Julian's professional aspirations. I think Julian Struth is going to be a first-round pick in the 2023 NBA draft. Mock drafts right now currently have him in that spot. We've seen an old mock draft from a few months ago that had Strother going 26th to the Phoenix Suns. There was a mock draft that came out on Thursday. So yesterday, for when many of you are listening to this, Sam Vecini of The Athletic, his new mock draft came out. 23rd Los Angeles Lakers. That's where Julian Strother went. Incidentally, Lakers desperate for outside shooting, desperate, desperate for outside shooting. Julian makes a ton of sense as a fit for them. Always hard to see Gonzaga players in Lakers yellow for me personally, but this is a great fit for him. Uh, obviously, of course, depending on what their roster looks like by the time that season rolls around. But 
I think Julian's going to be a first round pick. I really do. I think he's going to, we're going to see some of those jumps. We're going to see some of those, the productivity jumps in his efficiency around the rim defensively. I think we're going to see some growth there. And if he's more consistent from beyond the arc, he doesn't, his, his three point percentage last year was 39%. It doesn't need to be dramatically improved from that. If it's straight up 40, if that's, if it's one percentage point higher, but there's more consistency, he's more likely to go two for five than have, you know, a two week period where he goes 0 for 14 and then a torrid seven for 14 streak in the next couple of weeks. Like, I think he's going to be more consistent. And I think while the percentage is probably going to hover around that 40 mark, more consistency is going to be a boon for scouts. They're going to love that. They're going to be excited to see that. And then seeing, you know, him make strides defensively, be the physicality he has, the tenacious rebounding that he has for a guy at his size. I think all of that is going to lead to teams being like, hey, this is a guy we need to take. Like this three and D wings, regardless of what his defense really looks like, six foot seven guys who can knock down outside shots and are at least not turnstiles defensively, which Julian is not and will not be, because uh, I think we're going to see improvement in that area. Those kind of guys are insanely valuable in the modern NBA. The fact that he can play the four in the NBA, which he will be able to do because he's going to play it all year this year at Gonzaga, is a huge boost as well. I think NBA teams are going to be all over him. Again, I, I'm not super confident we're going to see him jump all the way into the 15, 14 range, that lottery range. Doesn't mean I don't think it could happen. It absolutely could happen. I'm more willing to gamble on him being a late first pick, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, somewhere in there. Uh, but I think whatever team gets him is going to be really, really happy with the results. Last thing, just kind of touch on here, Julian, such a great example of Gonzaga's development machine. We talked on Rui, we talked on Corey Kispert. Those are obviously the two most prime examples of that fit kind of what Julian has done and is doing in a Gonzaga uniform. But again, we're talking about a guy who wasn't a top 50 player in his recruiting class. Most people believe that he was underrated and he probably should have been in the thirties, in the forties, maybe even in the twenties. Uh, but he's going to, he's going to end up being a, a first round pick or at least a second round pick, almost certainly uh, at the worst case scenario for Julian Strother. And so we're talking about a guy who, who was not considered one of the 50 best players in his high school recruiting class. Gonzaga gets their hands on him, you know, puts him in their development machine, spits him out a couple years later and bam, he's a first round pick. Corey Kispert was like 125th in his recruiting class. Rui, Japanese, obviously there's the international recruiting services are, are not as not as accurate, I guess, is the best way to put it. So I, I don't always take those ratings or any ratings with too much seriously, but certainly uh, certainly not international players. But for Rui to be a guy who didn't play in his first two years to being the ninth overall pick in the NBA draft, tremendous, tremendous growth while in a Gonzaga uniform. We've seen it countless times from countless players. Julian is next in a long line of really successful Gonzaga players to move on to the professional level. And I think that this time next year or Ten months from now, in June of 2023, we're going to be talking about Julian Strother as yet another first-round pick to come out of Gonzaga University. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Next week, we will have a game to discuss. We will be able to recap real actual basketball against opposing teams. Of course, it's an exhibition game, but still, how much fun is that going to be? Check that out next week. Of course, we got more player previews coming your way as well, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. 
All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.